Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Edgy talk. Brain talk. Unrivaled talk. Mike Graham. The only radio show you can count on for a proper serving of good old-fashioned common sense. In search of the perfect debate. The independent republic of Mike Graham. On the app, on your mobile, talk radio and talk TV. Good morning and welcome to the world headquarters of Common Sense on a day uh, when everyone's feeling very, very good indeed about everything that's going on in the world, apart from, of course, the Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, because it would appear, uh, despite the feel-good factor sweeping the nation, despite the brilliant weekend uh, of the Platinum Jubilee that we all had, despite everything going reasonably well in most people's lives... The Tory party have decided to kibosh the Prime Minister. Brilliant. Absolutely amazing. They've got themselves together and decided to have a vote of no confidence. It's happening tonight. It's happening live right here on Talk TV. And I'm going to speak right now to the man uh, for whom you will hear it from. Uh, the very same Piers Morgan, host of Piers Morgan Uncensored on Talk TV tonight from 8 o'clock until 9 o'clock. He will have the result of that ballot tonight. The vote of no confidence in the Prime Minister, Boris Johnson. Let's get right to it. Now, it would have to be said that Piers Morgan has probably been waiting for this day for quite a long time. Uh, Piers, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Morning, Mike. Thank you very much indeed for joining us, Piers. Big show tonight because you'll be on when the vote is actually, well, we think it will be finished. Whether they announce it between eight and nine, I'm not sure. Um, but that's really, this has come very quickly, hasn't it? Not really. <clears throat> I think it's been brewing for quite a while. I think I felt for a while that Partygate has been much more damaging to the British people for Boris than he realises. Mm. And I think that that's part of his problem has been that he's been stuck in Downing Street thinking rules don't apply to him, going through life as Boris did before he was Prime Minister. And of course, it's a bit different when you're running the show and when you're running the country. And mm. I think that I've detected for a long time that a lot of people, particularly those who had a direct impact from the lockdown rules, who were not able to go and see dying loved ones. And I know three or four people were not able to go and visit their loved ones as they died in hospital. I think it's the anger from those people which has been building and building and building, particularly when they see not just Boris Johnson fined by the police for for breaking his own rules, but over 80 members of his own team. But I also said, and I said this from the start, that a prime minister can survive a scandal like Partygate, can survive hypocrisy and so on, but not when times are hard. They, they can only do it when times are prosperous and people feel their wallet and go, you know what, actually, I'm not in too bad shape. The thing I would take issue with what you just said is that you think that there's goodwill in the country from the Jubilee. I agree. 
but you also said, I think, something on the lines of, you know, people, most people are feeling like things are pretty good right now. Honestly, they're not. There are millions of people in this country really feeling the pinch financially, and they want someone to blame. And so they're looking back at Boris Johnson, and they're now thinking, you lied about Partygate, you're a total hypocrite about that, and we're all really suffering now financially, and they want someone to blame. And I think Boris Johnson is reaping the whirlwind of that double whammy. And what about those who say the guy has had the most difficult prime minister's uh, sort of uh, handle than any prime minister since Churchill, in the sense that he had to handle COVID for two years. Uh, He's had the war in Ukraine that's kicked off. Uh, There's the energy crisis, which has been brewing for probably a decade up until now. Um, And he's had an awfully difficult card to have to, to, to fill out, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I I don't disagree. I think it's been one of the toughest times to ever be prime minister. And these tough times, as we saw with Churchill in World War Two, you know, people either it's sort of cometh the hour, cometh the man, isn't it? Mm. Um, Or woman. And in this case, he's been found wanting. I, I can look at Boris Johnson's tenure and I can find things to praise him about. I think the COVID vaccine program rollout was uh, extraordinarily good for this country. And interestingly, Jesse Norman, one of the Tory MPs who's pulled the trigger on Boris today with a really stinging letter saying why he's lost confidence in him, calling him ugly and grotesque in relation to various policies. He's actually married to Kate Bingham, who is the woman that Boris brought in to run the COVID programme yeah. and who was so brilliant in getting all the right vaccines. So uh, that's real friendly fire from both sides in that scenario. Oh, I think um, that's right. Uh, because but, but I, think also, I also, I was with my, my oldest son, who I disagree with a lot about stuff through the COVID pandemic. He's been quite quite big on Twitter with his views. Yes. Um, but I, I said to him, you know, I do think the way that Boris did not go back into lockdown after Christmas this year, for example, did show good leadership. I think he, he, he rightly calculated that now we have vaccines that work and most of the old and vulnerable people have been fully vaccinated. You've got to try and get on living with the virus. I agreed with that. And he was bold to do that. I also think he's shown good leadership over Ukraine, you know, going to see Zelensky in Kiev and, and all the rest of it. So there are lots of things where you could look at it and say Boris Johnson under normal circumstances, there are quite a few ticks in mm. the box. But I, I have said from the start of Partygate, this is the kind of scandal that brings down a prime minister. And when he got fined by the police and became the first prime minister in history to actually be fined by the police for breaking one of his own laws, I think that was for many people a tipping point. Yeah. Particularly when we saw the scale of, of the passing that was going on. I mean, I, I think, Mike, it all comes back to the Queen for me. What's the most devastating image for, for Boris Johnson in, in Partygate? It was the picture of the mm. Queen at Prince Philip's funeral, a guy she'd been married to for seven decades, her rock, the love of her life, being on her own, wearing a mask in a church with no, none of her family anywhere near her to console her because she felt that she should abide by the rules Boris Johnson had set mm. down. And the fact that we then discovered there was not one, but two late night parties in Downing Street the night before the funeral. You know, I think for a lot of people, they found that just contemptible. Which he wasn't actually at, though. And that's the trouble, isn't it? Because he's now being blamed. It's his house. Well, 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 it's his his office, but there's thousands of people working in it. I, funnily enough, had a a tweet sent to me that I'd put out last March, March of uh, 2021, when I was calling for him to resign. Not because of Partygate, because we didn't know about it then, but because of lots of other things. You know, the the failings of the Conservative Party to do anything about the illegal migrant problem, the failings of them to do anything about energy pricing, which has now rocketed through the roof, and also, finally, the green agenda. The problem for me is that the Tory party has now picked this moment 
which is not the best moment to yeah. do so, to remove him. And we know, we all know what will happen. You know, he will probably win the, the vote, but he will probably be removed shortly thereafter because that's what happens every single time this, this goes on. And I just think it's the wrong reason to get rid of him. And I disagree with you when you say that lots of people are, are, are unhappy with the, uh, with the party go thing. Some people are. An awful lot of people are not. And they don't think it's a good reason to remove the one guy who was, was, was possibly capable of getting us out of the European Union. Yes, but what I think you're discovering, Mike, is that as so often, I'm right about this and you've been found to be wrong. Uh, well, 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 hang on. I was right last March. So, you know, uh, I can't yeah, be wrong now. You should have stuck to your guns. Um, I, look, I think Boris has been, as a prime minister, exactly like he's been the rest of his life and career, a complete shambles. Mm. And you get good Boris and bad Boris. And when times are good, I think it's fine to have good, you know, Boris being a shambles. When times are really tough, it's much harder to be a shambolic Prime Minister. I once interviewed him for GQ. Mm. I said to him, you know, I've always said to people, Boris, I've known him 30 years. I like him personally. But I said, you know, I've known you a long time, Boris. I've always said to people that lurking beneath the buffoon exterior lies a smart, calculating, ambitious mind. And he looked at me and smirked. And he went, well, Piers, that's really good of you. He said, but you must... Consider the possibility that lurking beneath the buffoon exterior lies a complete buffoon. <laughs> but, yeah. um, but in a way, in a way, there was also a slight truism to that: is he can't get rid of the buffoon, mm. and I think the party gate played into that. I think party gate cut a lot deeper than perhaps you you want to accept. And I think the polling says that. Most people took a very bad view of it. And I think what's happened here is Tory MPs have gone back to their constituencies in half term. There's been a mood of national celebration for the Queen, but they've also picked up on a mood of seething anger yeah. from people who feel that their Prime Minister did the preach and did the opposite. And in his case, actually preached his own laws, which he then broke. Yeah. Yes. No. Listen. I, I don't yeah, doubt it. I think. I think. You were party gay, and I would accept. Take it back. And think we should move on. It's quite clear that the Tory MPs have picked up a very, <clears throat> excuse me, very different vibe from mm. their own constituents. Yeah, well, I think that's probably true. And I, I'm, I'm going to put this one to you, Piers. That could it be possible that we're both actually right here? Because, in fact, uh, we're coming to, once again to the same conclusion, but for different reasons, which is what happens a lot with you and I. What I think is going on as well uh, is that there are an awful lot of people um, who think that, that they should be the people who vote down a prime minister, that the, the Tory party should not be the ones to remove a prime minister who was elected by a vast majority of people people in this country with a massive majority. I mean, the Tories never cease to amaze me and how they manage to completely trip themselves up and fall flat on their faces when there's no need for it. Well, what they're trying to, what they're trying to do, of course, is to achieve the complete opposite of that. This, is, this only happens when Tory MPs make a calculation because they're ruthless, scheming, ambitious people that the only way they can keep their job and their seat and remain in Parliament as an MP is to get rid of the leader that they think is heading for a massive beating in an election. I think you're going to see two by-elections on the same day, which is pretty unusual in itself, mm. in, in two or three weeks. And they're going to lose badly, both of those, I believe. And I think that Boris Johnson has now gone from being seen as a winner by his party to a terminal loser. And they all fear they're going to lose their jobs if they don't get rid of him now and give a new prime minister, a new leader of the party, enough time to rebuild trust and confidence in the public. Because I think whatever your side of the argument, Mike, I think it's now inarguable that with the vast majority, and by that I mean two-thirds plus, 
of the British public, they've lost trust in Boris Johnson and they've lost confidence in him. There are still 30 odd percent, I would think, who will steadfastly stand by him, whatever he does, because they love Boris Johnson. Mm. That's absolutely fine and proper. And that's the right in a democratic society. But all the polling suggests that the public support for Boris has disintegrated incredibly quickly. And it's all happened during Partygate. And so I, I looked at what happened at St Paul's Cathedral. And I've, I couldn't remember ever seeing a British Prime Minister booed at a big royal event like that and booed loudly and for a sustained period yes. of time. But you and also that, know... But, but, that audience, but they're, they're not left-wing headbangers. Now, that audience... Well, they, they, they're Londoners, probably, so they might well, be. Well, they're from Middle England, and a lot of them will have been royalists, monarchists and Tories. Yeah, so sure. But, but, the other, but the other thing that you like know very well, Piers, the other thing that you know very well, Piers, is that the enemies of Boris Johnson are the most vitriolic, most ghastly, most horrible people who will stop at nothing to get rid of him. And this is partly the problem inside the backbenches of the Tory party. Tobias Elwood and his like have always hated Boris and have always been waiting for their moment to get rid of him. Now they, it looks like they're going to get what they want. But they only get what they want if the incumbent prime minister uh, reaches a situation in personal popularity and polling where they can get what they want. And so I think it's chicken and the egg. If Boris was still polling strongly, none of this would matter. There wouldn't be a leadership contest. If these MPs thought that they were going to keep their jobs if Boris remains leader, they wouldn't be doing this. Mm. But they have all calculated, a large number of them, and we'll find out tonight exactly what that number is at the moment, uh, that <laughs> Boris Johnson's lost his winning touch. Now, the, the issue for him is, you know, tonight he could win it comfortably, in which case he, he'd probably fend off these uh, enemies, as you put it, for another year, although even that rule may, ch may change. Uh, but more likely, it's not that he loses. I think that would be unprecedented no. and incredibly likely. But it's more likely he wins, but not by very much. And the scale of that Pyrrhic victory will be what does him in. Because if he wins, you know, I mean, Theresa May got two thirds of the vote and her vote of no confidence, yeah. and she still was out within several months. So I, I do think it'll come down to scale scale of win mm. rather than defeat tonight. But that scale, I think, is likely to be surprisingly low for somebody who only two and a half years ago won a thumping majority. Exactly right. We've only got 30 seconds left, Piers. Tonight at eight o'clock, right here on Talk TV, all the action with you. Um, who's going to be the next Prime Minister then? Well, there are going to be lots of runners and riders. We know Jeremy Hunt's been on manoeuvres. We know Penny Morden's out today, uh, notably not tweeting her support for mm. the Prime Minister, but tweeting about uh, some D-Day right. she's attending. That's quite literally on manoeuvres. Um, I think you're going to see people like uh, Nadine Zahawi, I think, will throw his hat in the ring. Uh, Tom, Tom Tugendhat, probably. Um, I've, I still think Rishi Sunak for all the problems he's had recently, remains one of the uh, better intellects in the cabinet and one of the best performers, uh, certainly on a television screen. So I think he will probably be in the mix. Um, you know, Sanjay Javid, perhaps, Pretty Patel might fancy her chances. There's going to be a lot of runners and riders, but the way the system works, as you know, Mike, is that the, the Tory MPs between them will whittle that down to two people. And then there's the runoff with the Conservative membership about who they want to vote for. And that's more difficult to predict. I don't think there's any standout candidate. I would have said Rishi Sunak six months ago, but he's taken a bit of a battering uh, with various issues involving non-dom status for his wife and so on, which will have chipped away at his support. I would still think he's got a very good chance. But, they, you know, we, we know from previous uh, elections like this, it can be incredibly unpredictable. Nobody saw John Major coming when he became uh, Tory leader. You know, these things can come out of nowhere. So I think it's going to be volatile and unpredictable. But I would say it is almost a nailed down certainty that by the time we get to Tory party conference in September, Boris Johnson is not the leader. 
Piers Morgan, thank you very much indeed. Piers Morgan, uncensored tonight on Talk TV, 8 o'clock. You'll read, uh, you'll hear the count right there. You'll see exactly what's happening. The count actually closes at 8 o'clock, so you'll get the result right here on Talk TV. Don't want to miss any of that. This is the Independent Republican, Mike Graham. More coming up. Slippery people. Uncomplicated life rubric for hungry thought thinkers. It's Talk Radio. The home of common sense. On DAB+, on the app, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republican, Mike Graham. It's a pretty momentous day today because suddenly, you know, we awoke this morning to the news uh, on Judy Hartley Brewer's show uh, that at eight o'clock, uh, Graham Brady was about to make an announcement that the threshold had been indeed crossed. 54 MPs putting in letters uh, saying that they would like to say that they have no further confidence in the Prime Minister, Boris Johnson. Uh, he then immediately orders a vote to take place tonight at six o'clock, which will run from six to eight. All Tory MPs, every single backbencher, all the people that who are presumably not in London, will now be coming to London to make the vote, uh, to make it count. Just both Piers Morgan, uh, I think he and I both agree that uh, Boris will win the vote. The question is, how much will he win it by? Let's talk now to Kirsty Buchanan, former special advisor to Number 10, former political editor of the Sunday Express as well. Kirsty, very good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks very much indeed for joining us. Um, procedurally, uh, this will be something that you'll be familiar with. A lot of people have seen it before. The problem for Boris, I suppose, is is the margin of, of victory, isn't it? I, I don't think anyone doubts that, that he won't win it. Um, is there is there a, a, a margin by which he could be safe? Yeah, so uh, you're right. I can't find anybody in Westminster that thinks that Boris Johnson is going to lose tonight's vote. I also can't find anybody in Westminster that thinks that uh, this is going to be the end of the matter if he wins, because Mm. the issue is the scale of the vote. He would need a thumping uh, endorsement of his leadership to be able to say, let's put this matter to bed. And what is perhaps more likely is we'll get a messy and slightly unconvincing Mm. win, which will be followed by the expected loss of both uh, Tiverton and Honiton by-election mm. to the Liberal Democrats on June the 23rd and the loss of the Red Bull seat Wakefield in a by-election on the same day, which will then put pressure back on the 1922 Backbench Committee to review its rules and allow a second challenge to the leader this side of, of the end of this year. And what are you hearing from inside the, the, the beltway, if you like, about who is interested in putting their hat into the ring? Obviously, we know Jeremy Hunt uh, is a player. We know Penny Mordaunt might be, particularly after her tweet today that doesn't appear to support Boris Johnson. Um, Rishi Sunak, possibly. I mean, what are you, what are you hearing? Uh, yeah, well, I think I think Piers called it right. It's going to be a very wide and very diverse field. Mm. I think uh, Tom Tugendhat, uh, Liz Truss, Rishi Sunak... Nadine Zahawi, I think Sajid Javid would also fancy his chances, Penny Mordaunt. So uh, they wouldn't be, uh, they'd certainly be spoiled for choice. But uh, one thing at a time, I think we are, we're a ways off of kind of runners and riders because the Prime Minister's aides have said, look, even if he wins by, um, you know, by the slimmest of majorities, a majority is a majority, and they would consider it the end of the matter. I know that Theresa May resigned seven months after she won her uh, two-thirds no-confidence victory, but... But the, the Prime Minister has indicated that he wouldn't go. So it would need a reopening of the rules mm. before we would be uh, down the path of, of, a, of a leadership challenge. I mean, and also Boris Johnson is no Theresa May, is he? I mean, I was speaking to somebody from pretty close inside Downing Street the other day who said he's never going to leave. There is no way he leaves. He does not voluntarily go. Um, he will no, have to he be would, he would consider a, yeah, He would consider a win a win and yeah. he would stay. So the only way then would be to put pressure on the 22 committee to review the rules. Now, they debated a review of the rules in January when the issues of Partygate first surfaced mm. and they debated whether to reduce the time that you can have 
before a fresh leadership challenge from a year to six months, and they decided against it. Mm. Um, I would be surprised if those deliberations changed in the light of tonight's vote. And over the weekend, you know, in most prime minister's cases, you would have thought um, that that he would get a boost from from what happened. The Platinum Jubilee weekend was a great sort of celebration of Britishness, a great celebration of patriotism, of all of the things that Boris Johnson normally you would think would get behind and would be waving a, a, a Union Jack around about. And he was out with Carrie for the first time properly for us to all see them together they look pretty happy they looked as if all was well with the world um it's really unusual for me to see this as as the result on monday of that weekend well oddly i think the juxtaposition worked against him i think you know people looked at uh, her majesty as an absolute superstar mm. for being a woman who has always put duty to her country moral integrity moral worth um uh, at the forefront, and I think most of us thought at some point of, of her darkest time, which was when she was pictured sat alone mm. mourning the loss of her husband during the COVID rules. And I think the juxtaposition between that and what happened at number 10 during uh, the Partygate scandal was very fresh in people's minds and actually worked against the Prime Minister in this incident. So, uh, oddly, I don't think it helped. I think it, it, it probably hurt him because mm. the, the comparison is too stark. Yeah. And is he the victim of his own kind of, you know, errors, if you like, or his own style? Because he has made enemies in the past. He's a very shrewd political operator. I mean, I always said that I thought it was down to him that Rishi Sunak kind of got skewered in his ambitions to become the possibly next prime minister. Um, he's obviously made a lot of enemies. People say he's not a man that has a lot of friends in politics. Is this, is, is this now sort of everybody's revenge on Boris Johnson? Yeah, well, look, but Boris's relationship with his party has always been transactional. The reality is, is this is the parliamentary party catching up with where the polls, the public polls have been since January. Mm. And the public lost faith in Boris in January in the wake of Partygate. They didn't need to wait for the Sue Gray findings. I think that there was a permanent fracture in their relationship with Boris then. And the relationship between MPs and that this Prime Minister is one of, is he an electoral winner? He's gone from being their greatest electoral asset to being their potentially their greatest liability. All polls suggest that under his leadership, the Conservatives at best would be heading for a hung parliament mm. at the moment. That's a lot of lost seats, and that is what is focusing minds. And I disagree with, with Piers. This isn't about MPs being ruthless about you know, uh, about wanting to hold on to their seats. The job of being an MP is to, to be an MP, you mm. know. So you only affect change by holding a seat, by holding government. And, you know, with this Prime Minister, he was a vote winner back in 2019. It was only like two and a half years ago. But Partygate has forever broken his relationship with the public. A short, outside of a short blip through the Ukraine war, I think that, that fracture is permanent. And that is the gamble that the, the MPs are now staying tonight. Stick or twist with him. If they think he's a liability and a permanent liability in the polls, they will they will move against him. And without that that shift in the polls, you could have all the enemies in the party you like. You wouldn't be able to move against him because he would be a vote winner. Yeah, and certainly there don't appear to be too many people standing around at the moment backing him, do there? Uh, well, I mean, the, the, you know, members of the cabinet have been uh, have been out over the weekend. Uh, making the argument and his allies tonight will be hitting the phones and saying to people, you know, look, divided parties don't win elections either. You know, you do. this is not the right time to be embarking mm. on a navel-gazing, destabilising, you know, leadership contest with an uncertain outcome. Unity wins elections regardless of the leadership. And that is what Boris's aides will be, will be saying to people tonight. And that is the calculation that MPs will be making. It is a big, big call for them tonight. Absolutely right. Great to talk to you, Kirsty. Thank you very much indeed. Loads more coming up. This is Talk TV. 
Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV on this rather auspicious day. I was coming in this morning thinking, you know, what we'll be doing today? We'll be looking back at the weekend. We'll be uh, sort of, you know, wrapping ourselves in the flag, warming ourselves up with the glow of patriotism. We'll be thinking about what a great weekend it was for Britain, how wonderful it is to be British, how amazing uh, that it all went. The paper's, of course, full of pictures of the Queen. Uh, my heart is with you all. Beautiful picture on the front of the Times, all in green, uh, out on the balcony, of course, at the end of the big day's uh, parade yesterday, which was in parts kind of bizarre, strange, interesting, odd, very British, kind of eccentric. The party uh, at the Palace, which all went terribly well, until, of course, they started preaching about the green agenda, but that's another story. But so quickly does the agenda move these days in news that we're not even mentioning any of that because we are here. We are where we are. We are now facing the possibility of a vote of no confidence in the Prime Minister this very evening between six and eight, um, organised by the 1922 committee. Uh, We're going to talk to Matthew Paris very shortly, former uh, Conservative MP, of course, himself, who served under Margaret Thatcher um, and Times columnist. Matthew, a very good morning to you. Good morning. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. I mean, uh, I suppose I could start by saying we've been here before, haven't we? Well, we have. We, we, we were here with Theresa May, yes, who actually won the vote of confidence. I think she got 66% of her, her, um, her parliamentary party behind her, but she was still gone within seven months. Yeah. So uh, Boris Johnson is not really out of the woods unless he gets, I would have thought, at least 70%. Of, of his party behind him, but he won't go voluntarily. No. Um, if, he, if he gets a if he gets a majority of one, he'll he'll cling on, and it'll be a nasty fight. Well, this is the thing. I was saying to somebody earlier that, in fact, you know, he is not Theresa May. I mean, even Margaret Thatcher, who you worked with, um, was eventually undermined by a vote which she won, uh, yes. and, and which forced her out as well. So the Tories do have a habit of doing this to themselves, don't they? Well, they are, um, to a degree, a democratic party. And when a prime minister or a leader loses the confidence of the party, they go. And that, that, that's a good thing. And, and Margaret Thatcher realised that though she had a, a narrow majority, she didn't have enough. She didn't really have the full confidence of the party. So she went. Theresa May did exactly the same thing. Uh, Boris Johnson probably won't and yes. we're going to have a very messy summer Well I was listening to a colleague of yours this morning talking on Julie Hartley Brewer's show about how one after another different cabinet members went in to see Mrs Thatcher and kind of convinced her that she really should step down you can't quite imagine that happening in, the, in today's Downing Street can you? No, because he's he's got a cabinet of poodles. Mostly, <laughs> they're not. She she was first among equals, but they were they were equals, and, and they went to talk to her. I I can imagine a couple of his parliamentary, uh, his cabinet colleagues actually telling him the game's up. But one of the reasons the others won't is that the game's up for them if he goes. Yes. they're very much his creatures. Mm. A, a lot of the cabinet are somewhat second rate people who will be out of a job if their prime minister is out of a job and and so that that they'll they'll stick with him to the last yes indeed reading one of the uh, pieces of analysis in the times this morning uh, that's not me by the way ringing you um, just in case we need to say that um one of the pieces of analysis in the times this morning matthew was that uh, because this sort of uh, um sort of cabal around boris johnson who wants him gone uh, isn't very well organized um yeah. some of them weren't keen to have the vote as early as this so some of them may be feeling as though they've maybe gone a bit early 
Yes, uh, I think there has been a division amongst those people who want him gone as to whether now is the moment or whether they should wait for uh, two big by-elections coming up at mm. uh, Tiverton and Wakefield, which the Conservative Party look like losing in a humiliating way. Yeah. And um, some feel that that would be a better time for, for the vote. But there we are. We're going to have it now. Yeah. And so if that was to be the case, that those two by-elections were lost quite big by the Tories... Um, would that put more pressure on him? Or do you think well, he's just well, it, indel- it, it indelibly would. sort of, you know, uh, welded to the desk? Yes. I mean, you can imagine that he squeaks through this confidence vote uh, this evening. Mm. Uh, we then go on to the two by-elections and they're disastrous for the party. And the whole question of his leadership comes up again. Mm. And what is the feeling amongst uh, sort of, you know, conservatives like yourself, and I mean, you would never have probably um, called yourself a wet under Margaret Thatcher's government, um, but you would be considered a, a, a you know, less right-wing Tory than many of the people who yeah. are now in Parliament. Um, what's the feeling in the country? Because I hear from a lot of Tory voters who say it's not for the party to remove the Prime Minister. We voted for him. We still have confidence in Boris Johnson. I know fewer people have than, than, than there were, but there's still quite a, 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 a reasonably rich rump of people who don't think that he should be removed this way. Well, I I have left the Conservative Party, but you're right, I was a sort of of middle-of-the-road Conservative, and I I still would be. Mm. But I feel that this vote, this decision, isn't really about left, right or centre. It isn't about Brexit or Remain. It isn't about government spending more or not spending more. It is about one person. It is about the character of the the Prime Minister himself. And, And for that reason... He is under siege from different parts of of his party. And it can't be wrong that if a leader loses the confidence of the troops, so to speak, you look for another general. I think it's a a strength in any political party that it's able Mm. to do this. Yes. And and what about those who say that, well, everyone knew what Boris Johnson was like. You know, he was the mayor of London. He was a character that that in some ways appeared in newspapers for, for, for strange reasons, other than because of the fact that he was a man of great policy beliefs and a great ideologue. He never was any of those things. And some people have said to me, yeah, but we knew he was, um, you know, a bit untrustworthy. Worthy, a bit of a loose cannon, uh, described by Dominic Cummings as a you know a shopping trolley careering around the supermarket. Everyone sort of knew that. So why now is everyone going? Oh my God! Look what he's like. Well, I think I think I think for two reasons. You're, you're quite right. Everybody did uh, know what he was like. I've been writing this in the Times for nearly a decade <laughs> uh, now. Um, People knew that his private and personal life was shambolic. They knew that his word couldn't be trusted. He had. To, Two things in his favour. One, he appeared to have a sense of direction, get Brexit done, and that was very important uh, to a a lot of people in the party. And and secondly, he appeared to be an attractive personality who won support across the country from lots of people who are not natural Conservatives. The trouble is that any sense of direction he ever had appears to have fled him. There's no sense of direction at all. And and secondly, as those boos outside St Paul's Cathedral demonstrated, he is no longer seen as an attractive personality. Mm. And and, and the third thing, I'm afraid, one of the most powerful reasons why a lot of his his parliamentary colleagues are not going to support him is, is that they don't think that he is their best chance of winning their constituency at the next general election. There has to be a selfish element in this. And when a a Tory MP backbench or frontbench begins to worry 
about whether they're even going to be re-elected next time, then the leader is in trouble. Yeah. Final question, Matthew. Uh, apparently Boris Johnson will address the 1922 committee at 4pm today. Uh, we're told he's also going to send a letter to all MPs ahead of the vote. Is that too late? Too little? Uh, no, I, th- I think it's... It's pretty wise that he's that the whole thing is going ahead quickly. He's doing things quickly, wise from his his point of view. And uh, knowing Boris Johnson, he may well put in a barnstorming performance. Mm. Uh, he's he's a, a completely uh, what's the word um, a brash, uh, a, a unashamed, brazen character. And yeah. and this will be the fight of his life. And he may give them the fight of his life. Whether it will make any difference or not, I, I don't know. But for this to have dragged on longer, for the vote to be put off to the end of the week, would not have been in his favour, I think. OK. Matthew Parrish, great to talk to you. Thank you very much indeed. Times columnist, former Conservative MP there. Former Conservative, you might say. Uh, he's now left the party. Well, what do you think? 0344 499 1000. Call us right now. Fighting the good fight with all his might. Providing a welcome dose of common sense for the common people. Solid talk. Hot talk. The independent Republic of Mike Graham. On the app, on your mobile, talk radio and talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham, right here on Talk TV, the place where you will find many things. Most of them true, almost all of them interesting uh, and extremely entertaining. Peter Hitchens is here with us for this hour of the show. We're going to ask him what he makes of the latest machinations with Boris Johnson. Uh, he now is going to be voted uh, later on today by his own uh, members of the Conservative Party in Westminster as to whether or not they wish him to continue uh, as Prime Minister. Jeremy Hunt has just very much come out on Twitter and said that he intends to vote for change which means presumably he's going to vote against Boris Johnson staying as Prime Minister because he would like to be it instead. Peter, very good morning to you. Morning. Um, we're going to talk about many things this morning, but let's kick off with uh, with Boris Johnson. I mean, is the game up for um, his I nibs? I don't know. People have thought so many times before. I'm it's, haunted it's, by the fact that I could have been, I could have been Prime Minister if it, it, all that happened was that he got the, the, the right-wing gig on Have I Got News For You yes. back in the 90s. And that, which I... How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Nearly got. Right. I was given a tryout, mm. but I, they didn't like the jokes that I made. As much okay. as, not as much as I th- like them. And he got the gig, and here he is. But it, it, what is my fundamental problem with it all is, what does it all matter? And for me, the Conservative Party is such a dead loss anyway. They mm. don't really care who leads it. And it, it, I, I just look at this and I say, well, what are you actually arguing about? Right. What is, is there any fundamental disagreement in the Conservative Party about which direction they should take? Is there a faction of the Conservative Party which is actually conservative, mm. uh, which is against all this uh, politically correct, high spending, uh, wildly interventionist foreign policy, uh, basically neoconservative, neoliberal mess yeah. which we have now? I don't see anything. So no. it's hard for me to engage and as, as I no longer hang around down in the Palace of Westminster, it's hard for me to say anything at all knowledgeable about, about what's going on. Who knows? I mean, they may. The, the, the obvious difficulty is that there isn't anybody else. Well, there uh, isn't. That's the big problem, isn't it? Who are they all? And Jeremy Hunt has tweeted this. Anyone who believes our country is stronger, fairer and more prosperous when led by conservatives should reflect that the consequence of not changing will be to hand the country to others who do not share those values. Today's decision is change or lose. I will be voting for change. But, I think but that, there you are, you see. That what, should immediately what, what, disqualify him. But what's conservative about him? Nothing. Uh, and it, it's, I mean, I, I, I can't explain to people. I, it, it, they're amazed by this after all the frenzy against Jeremy Corbyn that Keir Starmer is, in fact, a very left-wing person indeed. Yes. Uh, probably more left-wing than Jeremy Corbyn, if the truth were known. Mm. Uh, but they don't care. Uh, the Conservative Party is not that much less left-wing than Keir Starmer, and on some things probably more so. No. So it, it, it's, to me, it's just theatre. Mm. Uh, rather than politics, uh, and, and, and here it is: what is who, who have you got? And 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 if you if you engage now on a period of vast argument and dissension, uh, are you going to make it easier for yourself to win the next election or harder? Mm. Uh, I, my own solution has for a long time been for there to be a political party which is genuinely conservative. Yeah, uh, would sweep the board. I think. Well, I think it would because this has always been a pretty conservative country, and it's perhaps more conservative now. And then it's been for a long time with a with a small c in terms of like the social policies that that, that we wish to, to follow. But when you get the, to the point where people are discussing whether or not the government should bail out the travel companies because the travel companies can't seemingly operate anymore because they've forgotten how to do it, it's mad, isn't it? Well, there but there is the other thing. Of course, the great thing is not that, that we should be discussing as an immediate cause of all these problems is not discussed. Mm. We are in mostly in this economic mess of inflation and high prices because of the ridiculous decision to shut down the country two years ago. Yeah. Uh, by the way, this is, today is the second anniversary of my return to regular appearances at the office. I, I is it? started going back to the office two years ago, yes. partly in protest against the stupid shutdown. Mm. Uh, and it, 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 it is it's now people are forgetting that there was any possibility that there might have been any other course of mm. action. While the proof mounts up, particularly from Sweden, which didn't take this crazy 
Yeah, crazy. Well, I mean, if you do. wanted any more evidence than the current state of our economy, I wouldn't. I mean, why would you? But there again, when the next election comes, what what choice do people have if they want to protest against the mad decision to lock down the country? There's no point in voting Labour or Liberal no. Democrat. They were even keener on locking mm. down the country and, and would probably have kept it locked up until until now if mm. they'd been in charge. So wh- where is your where where is your escape? Yeah. This is my huge frustration with politics. Yeah, and it's, it's not. It's it, horse racing is more interesting, honestly, mm. uh, because there's more there's, there's more chance of real change. Well, exactly. I mean, I was mentioning this morning earlier that uh, somebody reminded me of a tweet I'd put out back in March of last year, which actually was calling for Boris Johnson to resign then, <laughs> on the basis that, you know, he was screwing everything up, not because he'd had a party and had some cake, but actually for a proper reason, that he wasn't doing what he said he would do. Yeah, well, that is, I think, what is, what is this actually about? Mm. Uh, it, it's, not, it's not really an annoyance. We've had more of an inquiry into the consumption of cake and cheap wine mm. in Downing Street than we ever had into the decision to go into the mistaken war in Iraq mm. or into the death of Dr. David Kelly. Yes. That tells you quite a lot about a political culture, isn't it? Aren't, aren't, aren't these things yeah. gigantically more important? Yes. And yet we don't really, we and don't I th- really And I think we've, we've said before that, that the political kind of um, elites who are in not just government but who are also in the media do not really want to know about big things like that. I don't think they, they care. Well, it's because we don't have a proper adversarial political system anymore, because the two political parties are much too close together, mm. and they have uh, they, they, don't, they don't really oppose each other. And of course because that, the gap between them has narrowed almost to nothing, the, the, the diversity of the media has also narrowed. Mm. So there's much less difference of opinion in the country as a whole being expressed. Mm. It's not to say it isn't there, it's just not being expressed. And yeah. half the point of having a noisy adversarial parliament of the sort that we have is to provide a safety valve for the discontents of the country. People don't feel those discontents are being expressed. No. Who knows where it will come out? So I don't know. So I can't get exercised about this. I mean, I've never thought that Johnson was particularly uh, was a particularly well-qualified politician. I don't think he's particularly conservative. No. He did memorably stand, I think, when he failed to win office at the Oxford Union as a Tory, he stood then as a social democrat, so I don't, don't think there's, a, there's no sign of principle no, there. No, I don't think uh, principle would be the first word that you would it use It simply to doesn't him. trouble him. As no. He's baffled uh, the, 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 by it, and, 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 and there you have it. But what the Conservative Party hopes to gain by getting rid of him when they don't know what they're going to do next hmm. is, is hard to see. And we've already had one... How shall I say, vacuum in office in yeah. the shape of Poor Theresa May, yeah. who stood for absolutely nothing mm. except that she she wasn't David Cameron. And that she was, was a kind of impediment, wasn't she, to everything? Well, it was worse than that. I mean, a lot of the trouble we're now in the over the European Union, the mess, of, for instance, having having crashed out of the single market when we shouldn't have done was because she didn't believe in the policy she was elected to pursue, getting Britain out of the European mm. Union. And so she actually pursued it more militantly uh, than, than, a, than an intelligent uh, lever would have done. Yes. And she, and she, she made a, a, quite a big mess as yeah. a result. And she this, really did. It's, it's, so it's putting someone in for the sake of it is not very wise. But let's say I can't, it's, it's not something about which I can really get exercise. No. Because it's not, it, 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 the, the great frustration is years and years ago, I told people, get rid of the Tory party. If the Tory party were your fridge, all your food would go bad. Mm. If the Tory party were your accountant, you'd go bankrupt. Yeah. If the Tory party were your lawyer, you'd be in prison. No other consumer good or activity would survive in the commercial world for as long as that useless organisation has done. Why don't we just threaten the Well, which brings us rather neatly on to one of the many uh, things you wrote about this weekend, the police 
uh, I, I hesitate to say force, the police service in this country, uh, rather like many of the great sort of um, public bodies in this country, it doesn't work. Neither a force nor a service. No. And that's, it doesn't serve us. And if there were any uh, any possibility of a rival existing to it, it would be it would be pushed out by mm. that rival. And this is what I actually suggest, is that a serious government now has to accept the police don't want to police the country in the way that we want to have it policed. Or, yeah. Although taxpayers are forced to pay for this, uh, this, this alleged service, which won't answer the phone, which won't come when it's called, uh, which is largely absent from the streets. Which has largely cl- closed so, almost so, all police stations. So create, yes, indeed. And so create a new, as they, as, as they have in the United States and we used to have here, fully local police forces yeah. with the fundamental job, which they were originally established for in this country, of preventing crime by being present on the streets. Mm. And when you've got those going, I would suggest there's quite a lot of ex-servicemen who'd, uh, who'd, who'd fit very well, indeed ex-service women who'd fit very well into such, uh, such police forces. Uh, once they're up and going, uh, then disband the existing one. Mm. Uh, I don't. I don't think that uh, that, that anybody would actually notice. Uh, in most cases, if it disappeared now. But you really have to have something, yeah. and so you need to create the alternative before you get rid of it. But if an open competition were ever held. Uh, between a, a police force which genuinely believed that crime was bad and should be prevented, mm. and this lot, uh, then th- this this lot would lose it. Well, they would, because like most public sector organisations, they've become sort of top-heavy with people who aren't police, uh, people who sit in management jobs explaining how things should be done and doing constant surveys of what they should do next. Well, it's also that they, they fell... They fell into the, the trap of sociology and of the, generally the liberal ideology back in the 1960s. Two things happened. Mm. First of all, they became the, the senior ranks increasingly became taken over by people who didn't believe that, that, that crime is bad. Mm. They believe that crime is a symptom of bad housing or child abuse or whatever it is. It's not the bad thing to be Mm. prevented, but something to be sociologically tackled. Their view is that the offender and, and the and the victim. Uh, are equal in the sight of the law and they have to negotiate between them. And at the same time as this idea took hold, Roy Jenkins began the long process of withdrawing them from the streets. And I can remember when the streets were regularly patrolled by police officers on foot. But it stopped. There was a decision taken in about 1965, I think, to begin to to get rid of it. Mm. And over the following 20 years, it more or less disappeared. The police took to the cars. But even the cars have disappeared now. Increasingly, but they do do this thing which I call reactive or fire brigade Mm. policing. They wait for something to happen. Well, whenever I complain about the police, someone always writes to me or says to me, why don't you go on a ride-along with the police? I've been on ride-alongs with the police in London. It's always funny when people say that you should do some research. I mean, that's basically all you do. I've been on on ride-alongs with the police in Dallas, Texas, in Johannesburg. It's always the same thing. They sit in the car, they wait for something to happen, they switch on the siren, the blue flashing light, Nino, Nino, charge off to the place, arrive too late to do anything. Police officer cannot unburgle you. No. Cannot unmug you, cannot unstab you, can't give you. It's 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 a useless form of policing. Meanwhile, the fire brigade, which which used to do fire brigade yes. fire brigading, has now increasingly gone over to preventive fire right. brigading. So they they try and stop people getting into fires in the first place. Greatly aided by the fact that fewer people smoke, uh, but smoke alarms. But the and same like goes that. for and the they, NHS. And they, and they have they have as a result the fire brigade are much more successful yeah. than the police. But it's the same goes for the NHS, where people were actually being told not that long ago, please don't come to the doctors if you're ill. <laughs> and you go sorry. Um, you're the doctor, I'm the patient, I'm not very well, can I come in? No. Uh, go home until you feel better and then come and see us. 
Well, I have not experienced that one exactly, but for sure and for certain, if the, if the National Health Service spent as much effort on preventive medicine, yeah. on getting people to, to, to live healthy lives yeah. as it does on, on patching people up badly yeah. after they've fallen ill, we'd be a lot better off. Prevention, and, you know, an ounce of prevention is, is better than a ton of cure. Well, it is in, Always in has some been. cases. And in policing, it absolutely is. Yes, for sure. Stay where you are for a moment. We've got lots to talk about. We haven't talked about the Jubilee celebrations yet. I'm sure Peter's got a view on that. Uh, we'll talk some more as well um, about much of uh, Peter's column in the Mail on Sunday. This is Talk TV. Um, back after this. On DAB+, Plus, on the app, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to Talk TV. This is, of course, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Peter Hitchens is here from the Mail on Sunday. Um, what did you make of the Jubilee celebrations? I thought I thought they were rather uplifting, and I was quite surprised that I thought that. Oh well, I, I, I'm, as I say, I'm, I'm a monarchist, not a royalist. Mm. I'm in favour of the principle of the monarchy. The thing itself leaves me largely cold. Uh. And also, I thought an awful lot of the celebrations aimed at Republicans rather than monarchists. What you mean, just to annoy suck them. up to yeah. people who like rock music, suck up to the Greens, yeah. particularly the Greens. The Green the, thing, suck was a up bit to the Greens disappointing. again. Disappointing. So I, I didn't really feel that it was a great celebration of, of the conservative principle of, of constitutional monarchy. One of the things that struck me was that it was all quite well put together and I wondered if we might get the people who organised the, the concert and the Trooping the Colour and all of that uh, to actually run the country because at least they seem to know what they're doing. Well there is a problem actually running running the country is slightly more difficult than running is a sound and light show and getting Brian May or whoever it is to, to do guitar chords. Well maybe but I mean, I mean you, apart from, you need to know some, it, you need to know some <laughs> economics do you? and you need also not to panic well, that, that doesn't. These are two when things. was the last time we had a government that didn't? Panic I know, I know. And I knew know. anything about economics? I mean, yes. George Osborne, I think, was singularly the worst chancellor we ever had. Completely. Well, no, no, no. There must be. I Winston Churchill in some ways was the worst yes. chancellor we ever had. He yes, I suppose. Bankrupted so. the country in 1925. Yeah. So it's not. It's it's not just. So him. you weren't exactly glued to the television then over there. I was completely unglued. to the television, you? Yeah. Right. I was I, I was catching up on on reading my favourite detective stories by the way. Okay. Wonderful. Joseph, Is that because Josephine you're too? Have you one of those snobby intellectuals? You think? That yeah, that's me. I'm, a, a bit, I, I'm uh, one of those snobby <laughs> intellectuals. No, I'm I'm I, honestly I'm I, I'm lower upper middle class. Right. I, I can't afford to be snobbish. It's it's just I don't. It doesn't. I can't pretend that it moves me. It's like cricket. Yeah. I want to want to like mm. cricket, but I I can't. I anymore. don't like cricket. But I, I wish I did. Yes. But I can't. I it's, put it down to when I was at school, we didn't do cricket at my school. We did no, athletics we did in the summer. And also my parents are from Scotland, so that's my excuse. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, even though Scotland now apparently has a team. Um, congratulations to Wales, by the way, for doing the impossible, which was to beat Ukraine at something. I didn't think you were allowed to beat no, Ukraine. No, I didn't think so either. I thought, they had to, they had I thought, to win everything. I, I fully that. expected at the end of the game for the Wales captain to go... Listen, it's all very well for us winning and everything, but you guys just go to guitar. We are. There's, a, sl- there's a slight, slight moderation in opinion about Ukraine. Yes. It seems to me having people. The initial, the initial, oh, incredibly simple view of it mm. seems to me to be fading a bit. Yes, I think to that's wonder, right. As it drags on. Uh, well, that's with exactly all things. What the end of this is, and the other thing is that it's 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 slipping away from mm. the front pages and tops of the bulletins. Well, and that's also with a lot of the things that you've talked about for a long time, you know, it, it sort of begins to seep into what I would call the mainstream. Not that you're not in the mainstream, but you know what right. I mean. I mean, I read a piece by an American writer um, who who did a, a piece for for NBC in America very much along the same lines as all of the things that you've been talking about. Still not saying that anything justifies what's happening and, and nobody's saying that what Putin's doing is right. However, no. this is the background. Yeah. 
And very interestingly, one of the, one of the most senior American diplomats uh, who has ever lived, Jack Matlock, who mm. was Ronald Reagan's ambassador uh, to Moscow at the, at the key Gorbachev years, yeah. he's come out and said that the the overthrow of the Ukrainian government in 2014 was a putsch. Mm. Uh, it's an extraordinary thing for someone of that uh, of, of, of that vintage and that seniority to say. And it's something I keep saying, if you want to understand this crisis, you have to understand that the... Notice this week we're having a big inquiry into the very nasty Trumpoid attack on the on the Capitol mm. building, yes. uh, which, which was... Everybody loathes it because it was a total violation of the American Constitution. Mm. And yet here we have everybody very complacent about the fact that in 2014 mm. in Ukraine, the actually, actually legitimately happened. elected president was overthrown by a violent mob. And, and it, people should really begin to turn to look at that in understanding the background to mm. everything that's going on now. This thing was going on for eight long years yeah. before most people paid any attention to it. Of course, and context can't be ignored. But in the meantime, people should still continue to, to, uh, to do what they can to help the mm. people of Ukraine sure. in, in their considerable suffering, because there is a lot of suffering. In, in Absolutely Ukraine. right. Speaking of context, uh, one of the things you wrote about this week was the Texas shooting um, yes. and the connection to marijuana, as this often is. Well, it, it, or is there? We don't know. What we know is the New York Times ran a report within 24 hours. Of the they sent, as they do, still in some ways a very effective news organization. They sent some very competent reporters down. They spoke to a member of staff of the Wendy's uh, hamburger restaurant mm. in Nuvalde who had worked alongside Ramos, the yeah. killer. And she said, amongst other things, that he told her that he had terrible rows with his mother and his grandmother over his use of marijuana. Mm. And this appeared in the New York Times. And then the following day, it disappeared. Hmm. The fascinating thing about the New York Times, again, very much to its credit, generally when it alters any online story, it puts a note explaining the alteration, saying what's been altered and why. Yeah. There's nothing. I've tried to contact the New York Times hmm. myself, and I've tried to contact through Twitter all the reporters whose names are on the story. I yeah. don't get any reply. Interesting. And um, Fox News, uh, Laura Ingram mentioned this on her show right. last week, and Fox News contacted the New York Times, and they got no reply either. Huh. It is the weirdest thing. Isn't that uh, the, strange? The, and I, I, I know, and I, the, remember the, the Parkland uh, yes. kill, killer in, in Florida? Yeah. He openly boasted of his use of marijuana. Yeah. If you look at many of, not all, but many of these mass killers, either in the United States, where it's, it's often put down to guns, or in, in Europe or elsewhere, where it's often put down to terrorism, you very often find that marijuana or another powerful mind-altering drug, particularly steroids, mm. sometimes antidepressants, is involved. No. These things began in the 1960s yeah. to be a big problem all over the world, not just in the USA. Mm. The variable isn't guns. So what is it? No. Mean, it's fascinating to me that this is uh, the, the New York Times has first published this and then removed it. Yes. I'm trying all I can uh, to get hold of this uh, this, this this woman, mm. uh, Justin Rodriguez is yes. her name, in Uvalde. No success so far because Rodriguez in Uvalde is like is Smith. A it's a very name. common name. Absolutely right. But eventually I do hope to track it down. Okay. Well, before I ask you about that, there's a bit of breaking news. The Prime Minister's anti-corruption czar has resigned, which my first reaction to which is I should probably burst out laughing, uh, saying Boris Johnson has breached the ministerial code by not showing leadership in the wake of his party gate fine. John Penrose is the name. Conservative MP for Western Supermare says he hopes Mr Johnson will stand down so that MPs can choose a successor. Well, I think you'll probably see quite a lot more of this. And yeah. Once now that the once the water starts once to the thing sort of is flow going around to, the ankles, people will will start to to do mm. things like this because it, it, it just it just will happen. Yeah, it will. Now, just to go back to the marijuana connection, there. I mean, what would be the reason? What could possibly be the reason why they would remove that? I can't tell. 
Um, it's, this is, I, I don't speculate on things that I don't know. Mm. I, I have to leave people to wonder. I think the New York Times in general, I think New York State has recently uh, become one of those which has legalized recreational. Yes, I think it has. I think you would probably. I think almost every state has now. Prob- some that I, Texas. There's, there's has, not many that have. Interesting enough. Yeah. But, uh, though in some areas it is more or less de facto. Mm. But the, I think you would probably find on the staff of, 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 of American liberal newspaper or American liberal television station quite a lot of people who are in favor mm. of marijuana yeah. legalization. But at the same time, of course, very passionate in favor of gun control. So two things might might make them wish that this particular detail um, would disappear. Yeah. Uh, one, that it gets in the way of the argument for gun control. But I find, that it raises another question. But I've always been amazed at journalists who would be willing to do that because, you know, the story's the story. Well, we, we haven't, you know, we haven't, you know, for, for, you know, we, 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 we haven't established that. I have to, you know, yeah. I, I, I have to be uh, absolutely rigorous about this. We haven't established right. that okay. it was removed for that reason. You could speculate on that. Mm. Uh, for all we know, uh, the the original source of the story came back and said, I didn't say that, no. or retracted it, or in some way. But in that case, I do think the New York Times yeah. does owe it to I mean, to they have made some pretty bad errors uh, of late. In a paper that used to be, you know, all the news that's fit to print, has been quite wrong on quite a lot of things in, in recent times. Yes, but it has generally admitted it. Yes. And this, the curious thing here is there's, there's, there's no discussion. It's, mm. it's just changed. If nobody had spotted it, uh, nobody would know, and they haven't put any note in to say we yeah. changed this because of, or yeah. even when they did it. And it's it's strange. And I, I anomalies, in my view, are the key to understanding practically anything. If you want to find out what's going mm. on, look for the anomalies yes. and pursue them. Very good advice. Peter Hitchens, thank you very much indeed. Um, we will be back uh, with more of your calls, 0344 499 1000. Uh, are the cracks appearing in Downing Street? Uh, we'll bring you all the news as it happens right here on Talk TV. Mike Graham, the only radio show you can count on for a proper serving of good old-fashioned common sense. In search of the perfect debate. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On the app, on your mobile, talk radio and talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV on a very important day for Boris Johnson, a very important day for the Tory party, and you might say a very important day for the country. I thought we'd be celebrating the Platinum Jubilee weekend. I thought I'd be having a go at the tube strikers who have managed to paralyse public transport in London today uh, because they quite fancied a five-day holiday instead of the other four, uh, which we all got instead. I, of course, have been working pretty much every day anyway. Not really the problem. However, uh, a very odd thing happened to me this morning. A bird, I think, hit my car fell out of the sky, it literally went bang uh, on right on the front of the car. I don't understand why that happened, but it was a portent, I believe, of something strange that was happening. And sure enough, something strange is happening, and it's happening right now inside of Downing Street. Uh, there's a letter that's been sent by Boris Johnson to his colleagues, uh, and he's written, Dear colleague, and looking like he missed out the A, has sort of added the A in. A handwritten form, which looks a bit weird. But we'll talk about that letter very shortly because we're now joined by Isabel Oakshot, Talk TV's international editor. Isabel, very good afternoon to you. Hi there. Now, I don't know what you know about birds falling out of the sky uh, as a portent of doom, but um, but it seems like uh, there's a bit of doom and gloom hanging around over Boris Johnson. The letter that he's written to his parliamentary colleagues um, is very long and uh, sort of pleading with them to put this all behind us. But, I mean, are they, I don't think they're going to, are they? 
So, um, I, as for your question about birds falling out of the sky, I was a bit worried when you started that story that you were going to say a bird had done some unspeakable <laughs> act on your suit, which I think is supposed to be a sign of good luck. It is. In which case, from your point of view, because I know what a dim view you take of all the fuss about Partygate, you would probably take that as a sign that the Prime Minister might survive and we'd all move on. Yeah. Um, I'm going to stick my head out, my neck out a bit, um, and say that I think he it's a lot more edgy than many at Westminster are saying. Mm. You know, the, the narrative this morning has been uh, that the Prime Minister will fairly comfortably survive this vote. And we must remember that there is a very sizable, what people call the payroll vote. So literally the number of Tory MPs who are in paid jobs where they get extra money for being ministers. Uh, and they're normally taken to, to, to be likely to, for obvious self-preservation mm. reasons, back the prime minister. I'm really not so sure about that. I think that the last four days out in their constituencies and MPs have been all over their constituencies at Jubilee events doing their stuff mm. have been extremely bruising um, for MPs, both ministers and backbenchers. The scale of anger, uh, might, whether you like it or not, whether you approve or not, people are still hopping mad about this thing. Mm. And Tory MPs are absolutely sick of having to defend it. And unless they change the prime minister now, they know they're going to have to go on defending it. It isn't going to go away. I don't think it'll ever fully go away. Some things don't. You know, you can like it or not. Think back to the Lib Dem betrayal over tuition fees. It never did go mm. away. And it actually destroyed the party. No, no. Listen, I, I don't disagree with anything you've said. All I've said, and funnily enough, um, I, I, I've mentioned this already on the show this morning, I found a tweet of mine from March of last year when I was calling for Boris Johnson to go. Nothing to do with Partygate, but to do with the failure of policies on green issues, the failure of any kind of plan from the Treasury about tax, the fact that, you know, they're putting corporation tax up, they're making life very difficult for small businesses, you know, the migrant problem hasn't gone away, they haven't solved that, and all of those things, and the lockdown and all the rest of it, you know, nothing to do with Partygate. And I just think um, that there's people who have always hated Boris Johnson who are now making hay because they're making Partygate the issue. And I just think it's the wrong issue. I don't disagree that he's he's holed below the waterline. I don't disagree that he's, um, uh, that he's probably going to go. But he's not going to go willingly. And it's just going to be a very ugly place now, the Tory party, I think, for the next few months. So what I think is really interesting is the extent to which this is now broadening out into disagreements over his broader policy mm. strategy. So all the many things you listed there and so many more, the fact that there are now 1.5 million more people on out of work benefits than there were before the pandemic. Yeah. And yet we've got the highest number of job vacancies ever. The sky high taxes, the long list of things that you and I could rattle off mm. as complaints. When people voted for a Tory government in 2019 and gave Boris Johnson that big majority, yes, they wanted Brexit done, but they also thought they were getting a Tory government. And that's not what many feel they've had. And in that blistering letter from a Tory grandee, Jesse Norman, he's not a household name, um, a man who chooses his words pretty carefully, um, set out a catalogue of complaints about Boris Johnson's policy this morning, moving it away from Partygate and into a debate about the direction of the party. 
Now, that letter might actually be turned to Boris's advantage because it could actually have been written by a Lib Dem. Mm. You know, it was complaining about a number of policies which are actually uh, quite popular with Tory voters. But it shows that this is now a vehicle for people within the party uh, to vent their frustration about things that are a lot greater than Partygate and more profound in terms of where this a government goes over the next two years. Yeah, I think that's right. And and also he doesn't have many friends in the room, never really did. He's not never particularly did. he's not particularly collegiate as an individual. Um he's always been quite ambitious. You know, he's got a very small a group of people inside Downing Street that he trusts and it's getting smaller by the day. Um, here's what he says in his letter. Over the next few weeks, Rishi and I will be setting out all the ways in which we will be using conservative principles to take advantage of our new freedoms, cut costs and drive growth. He says they're going to cut the cost of government, cut the cost of business, cut the cost of families. Um, he says they're going to devote time to getting the tax bill from people down. I mean, it's all very well, but I think it's all a bit too little too late now, isn't it? A hundred percent. You know what this really does... Um, you know, I think will irritate a lot of people to say the least. You know, look, the, the, the Tories have been in power for 12 years. They've had a very, very long time to sort out some of the fundamental issues. And Boris can't uh, blame everything that he's failed on so far on on COVID. You know, in particular, this issue of the tax situation um, and, you know, the, the very real problems that people are facing at both ends of the scales. Very interesting article in one of the papers this morning about the number of people that have been dragged into a effective 60% rate mm. of tax. Those are higher earners. We're not talking multi-millionaires here. Uh, we're talking people who do very well. They earn over 100,000, but they're not millionaires and billionaires. Mm. And then at the other end of the scale, you've got far too many people for whom working is not actually worth it because everything that the Conservatives promised they would do, introducing the so-called universal credit system, which was designed to make working pay, doesn't seem to have actually been effective at the moment, judging by the number of people, one in eight now reliant on out-of-work benefits. These are incredible figures under a Tory administration. They are. But don't you think there's a bit of the revenge of the Remainers going on here, though? Absolutely. And there's the danger for the plotters that they have shown their hand a little too soon on that front. So Tobias Elwood, who um, is the chairman of the Defence Committee, I think he's a very good MP. He's got a lot of useful things to contribute, particularly on Ukraine. He's a former member of the armed forces recently wrote a piece um, for one of the papers about the um, case for revisiting Britain rejoining the single market. Mm. Now, Tobias has been one of the key figures um, who, who've actually stuck their neck out and said they don't think that um, they, they can support Boris's leadership. And, and he did that many weeks ago. And I thought, good for him, very brave of him. But to then put in an article talking about the case for rejoining the single market risks playing into the hands of Boris loyalists who will say, actually, this is all a plot to unravel Brexit. I, I hope that colleagues don't fall for that, but that, that some might do. Yeah, they might. And in the end, I suppose, the difficulty is that there is nobody that they're all rallying around. The Tory party, as you know better than anyone, um, is notorious for kind of eating itself when it didn't need to. I mean, it was only a couple of years ago that everything was rosy in the garden. Everything was amazing. And, you know, I remember going out um, wearing my Union Jack tie on, on the 31st of January 2020, thinking this is going to be amazing. And everybody felt like that. And then now look where we are. 
Well, in a sense, where we are, whilst it's not an excuse for the Prime Minister, you know, we were almost instantly derailed after that Union Jack occasion uh, by by COVID. Yeah. Um, and when you talk about, you know, no one's rallying around someone else, that's that's true. You know, there isn't a single figure who is the obvious heir apparent, um, as it might have been had it not been for Rishi's disastrous misjudgment over his wife's tax mm. status. Yeah. I've never really subscribed to to this whole thing. Oh, there isn't anyone else. And mm. I mean, anyway, what an unbelievably sorry reflection on our politics. <laughs> if the only decent candidate for prime minister is Boris Johnson, I mean, I really, I'm not so um, depressed by the state of politics that I think literally no one else in the Tory party could do a better job. Mm. No, I mean, it does seem remarkable that that's the position that a lot of people have adopted. Because people, yeah, inevitably will emerge. But I mean, I don't really think many people would have voted the Tory party in with such a big majority if Jeremy Hunt was at the helm back in 2019. Um, and I don't know whether you've got any thoughts about who should become the leader, but it's going to be a pretty ugly scene. And as somebody said to me earlier today, unity wins elections. Disunity doesn't. Well, that's true, but we're a long way out from the next election. Nobody seriously expects it to be before almost the last possible minute, mm. at least two years' time. So the argument um, on the part of the rebels, if you like, would be that now's the time to have the disunity. Yes. The difficulty for the party, if Boris survives tonight, uh, which he may well do, is that the disunity actually continues in other forms all the way up until the next election. I think their best hope is probably um, to sort this out now, and then maybe there will be the opportunity to unify. I think looking brutally, and I, I'm trying to be more dispassionate with this comment, I just find it very hard to see how they could go into the next election and expect to win it with such a damaged leader. Yeah. I mean, politicians do sometimes turn things around, even from the most spectacular lows, but it's it does feel unrecoverable to me. If he doesn't go, regardless of whatever the decision is tonight, given that he wins it, um, will he have to go if the Tories lose the next two by-elections? I wouldn't necessarily see those as pivotal. So if he survived with a really decent margin tonight, I think people will say, well, those their by-elections are by-elections. We always knew that's baked mm. in. You know, those circumstances were particularly shocking. You know, you've got one um, former MP who's been jailed. Uh, you know, so I think those could be dismissed as sort of blips. Um, but I, I think the bigger question is even if he... He survives this week and he survives the by-election. Does that really guarantee him in place for even up to a year, which is under the rules technically the case? Um, I would say not necessarily. At some point, you just can't rule. You know, if you've got a bunch of backbenchers who are saying, actually, we're just not going to vote for anything that you mm. want to do, you actually become... Uh, you, you find that you're not able to achieve anything and, and then what's the point of you being there? Right. Well, we've been watching it with interest. We'll see you later on tonight, I'm sure. Isabel Oakshot, Talk TV's international editor, uh, the news desk with Tom Newton Dunn, 7 o'clock, Piers Morgan, 8 o'clock, the talk, 9 o'clock. Uh, we've got Jeremy Carl between now and then. Annie and Collins, this is Talk TV. Talk radio across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.
If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio.